0: PT is the definition of an enigmatic phenomenon. When the small game or teaser demo launched on the PlayStation 4, there was no warning, no forward, no press release, hell, even the studio listed as having developed it didn't exist as far as anybody could tell. Simply, the game was a complete unknown, coming out of nowhere from seemingly no one. Now that by itself is very suspicious and strange to begin with. Maybe you could explain it away if it were some sort of Steam Greenlight title that was from some unknown developer in the middle of nowhere in Siberia, but in this case, the game was actually pretty good. Granted it was short, but graphically, the second it was booted up, it was outstanding. Especially at the time, back in August of 2014, this was graphically phenomenal. To put it in perspective, that was the same year that Assassin's Creed Unity launched and that was considered to be one of the most breathtaking games ever. I mean, and then the game launched and people changed their mind on that. But the point is that PT came out of nowhere and looked fantastic, cutting edge, even industry leading. In addition, it was creative and very, very unique. In case you're not aware, or if you just need a jog to your memory, PT is set in a never-ending hallway. The player goes through a ton of different cycles of this hallway with it slowly changing and updating based on the things that you do. The setting is equally unsettling and terrifying all at the same time of being remarkably mundane. I mean, seriously, if you were going to design a horror game, chances are one of the last places you would think to place it would be in the front foyer of your house with the hallway directly adjacent. It's Very bizarre, and yet it works so well. Really, it's one of those rare forms of horror games that doesn't really seem as though it's trying to scare you. In fact, it's really rare nowadays. As of the time of writing this script, the most recent horror game that was to come out, dedicated to the horror genre, was within the Dark Pictures anthology. Specifically, the game Little Hope, which if you want me to do a critique breaking down why I hate these dark pictures games, I would be happy to do it. They're some of the worst things I've ever done. I was legitimately upset I spent money on Man of Madon back last year, but that's beside the point. Point is, those games are terrible, and they try so hard to scare you that it ends up being totally unterrifying. On the other side of the coin is PT, a game that doesn't do almost anything to scare you. It also doesn't do anything to hold your hand, something that we're gonna talk a little bit more about in a second. You see, a game at its core has to have some sort of mechanic, some sort of struggle that the player is trying to resolve. A game that doesn't have any sort of struggle or difficulty is just a walking simulator, and many people have expressed frustration and levied this very criticism against certain games such as Naughty Dog titles or even something like Death Stranding for being a quote-unquote walking simulator, a game that doesn't have enough struggle. Another way of putting this is when a game doesn't have enough difficulty, it leads the player in to a situation where they don't have to engage hardly at all with the game itself to progress. Effectively they're on train tracks, going from point A to point B, and you can tell an interesting story that way, but it's not actually that engaging. It's why I would say games such as that are much closer to visual novels than they are video games. Games, to me, require some level of interaction. Now, PT straddles that line between game and visual storytelling very finely, specifically because it has puzzles that you have to interact with to progress. You can't just walk through the hallway 50 times and experience the game start to finish. You have to actively engage in certain mechanisms in order to progress. That being said, the mechanisms that you have to engage with are Very, very vague. In fact, it's so vague that many people are unable to go through this game from start to finish without looking up some sort of guide or receiving some level of assistance from an outside source. The most specific example of this would be the final puzzle of the teaser that is PT. You see, Hideo Kojima, the lead designer and director of this whole experience, expected that trial and error was going to be key, and he designed all of these puzzles and this experience in general with that first and foremost in his mind. Furthermore, Kojima also expected it to take roughly a week for the gaming community to finish the teaser trailer. Though, by some accounts from back in 2014, apparently some people only required a few hours to get through all of these puzzles, whether it was coincidence or working together with other streamers or whatever it may have been at the time, it's pretty much been lost to history at this point. But there were reports some people were able to get through in as few as four to five hours. Now I'm really conflicted on these puzzles. They are so vague that it requires the player to effectively guess in order to come up with some sort of solution or to seek out advice from others who have already solved it. Neither of those are particularly exciting to me. If I'm playing a video game, I would like the ability to solve it myself without blind luck in the form of trial and error, hoping I stumble into the solution, or requiring the advice of somebody else that takes me out of the game and onto Google to try and find solutions to a game. That's not fun. Me. But perhaps you find that perfectly legitimate and a valid gameplay mechanic. I don't know. Let me know in the comments. But let's look at these puzzles specifically. This particular puzzle is incredibly convoluted and requires, by all state's measures, trial and error to solve, just blindly. Now there are actually multiple solutions to the final puzzle that people have tested and found moves the game into the final save state leading into the end of the playable teaser you see basically what happens is the player has to wait until the clock strikes midnight in the hallway once this has happened the player also needs to make sure that they have a microphone or a headset plugged into the dualshock 4 controller and ultimately what we're trying to do is to get a baby somewhere to laugh three times. Once this happens, a phone will ring, which will lead us into the final portion of the teaser. The way you trigger the first laugh is by walking exactly 10 paces in any direction and stopping at that point. Once that happens, you wait a second and you'll hear the baby laugh. Again, this has to be specifically after the clock strikes midnight. The next step is to trigger the second laugh, which is where these multiple methods come in. There's multiple ways that this seems to be able to be done. The first method is to have the microphone plugged into the controller. With that plugged in, the player will seek out Lisa, the spooky, ghouly, ghosty character in the game, trying to find where her sounds are emanating from. I know it's crazy in a horror game to actively like seek out the scary thing that's making creepy sounds but in this method that's what you have to do. Now there are three main areas that she can appear at within the hallway at this particular stage of this puzzle. For one she can appear in the radio and this is going to sound like sort of an electronic static and it'll sound as though there's a woman laughing. The second place would be in the phone and just like the radio it's filled with static but you hear a heavy breathing and lastly she might appear within the mirror in this case we don't hear static but just distorted sounds of a woman crying dude i'm not i'm not even joking like i'm reading through these things that i found within the teaser and i'm like getting goosebumps and freaked out just like i have the pictures in my head of what these things are and it's freaking me out just reading it this is ridiculous this is how impactful The teaser was that just reading a script about it, I'm getting goosebumps. I don't know if you're getting goosebumps, like watching this footage and hearing about all these things, but it's amazing what this game is able to do. Now also bear in mind with all of these things, Lisa can jump out and attack the player, which will cause you to restart that save state. So you have to do this balancing act of slowly moving towards the haunted item listening to it interacting with it in order for the second baby laugh to trigger all while trying to avoid the actual lisa who is going to be in the hallway somewhere or in the upper landing watching you but when you figure out where this sound is coming to you head to the item examine it and eventually the quote-unquote haunting will end This is when the second baby laugh will trigger. However, there are two other methods that people have found can also lead to the second baby laugh triggering. Method number two is that once you enter the final loop, you immediately go to the digital clock and wait for it to change to midnight. Now once the bell hits midnight, you'll hear the ghostly wailing and the heavy breathing and everything that we just discussed. You go over to the old radio near the exit and inspect it. You then immediately jump over to the telephone near the window and inspect that too. This if done right will trigger the first laugh from the baby, because it should equal 10 paces. At that point, you begin making noise into the microphone that's plugged into the PS4. You can scream, you can cry, you can just make up random crap, sing a rap song, whatever you want to do, until eventually two more baby laughs are triggered. But according to some people, this can take a while, like 90 seconds of nonstop talking. Once the second laugh triggers, the phone will start ringing and the controller will start vibrating. You then go over to the phone, inspect it, at which point you will hear a voice simply say, you have been chosen. Then the final door opens and you can exit viewing the final trailer for what was going to be Silent Hills. And the third and final method for getting the second baby laughter trigger is that after the chimes strike midnight and you've completed the 10 step laughter sequence, you seek out Lisa and attempt to communicate with her through your microphone. In other words, you try to get as close to her as possible while also saying things such as, hello, Lisa. Hello, help me, help me Lisa, let me help you Lisa, things like that trigger the second laugh allowing you to move on. Now in all but method two, once the second laugh is triggered, the player must freeze. You do not move, don't adjust the camera, don't even move the controller because the gyroscope can be registered as movement for Lisa and the haunting. After a few seconds, the controller will start to vibrate. Again, you need to remain completely motionless. Eventually, the vibration stops and the third laugh triggers. Once the third laugh triggers, the phone rings, you pick it up, hear that you're chosen, and move on out to the final teaser trailer finishing the demo. Now, if that all sounds remarkably convoluted and complicated, you're right. It is. In fact, the final quote unquote solution to PT has actually been the subject of a lot of debate since the demo's initial release, specifically because the second laugh seems to be triggered by a ton of different things. Some players have apparently even reported it occurring in a pause screen, while others say that talking to the ghost is a necessary component, and others also claim that it's actually entirely random. Which I mean, you gotta admit, it would be really funny if all of this was just completely random and we are just reading into all of these different things like steps and actions you need to complete this final puzzle when in reality it just triggers some point randomly between like a minute and three minutes and it doesn't matter what you do i i don't think that's the case i think more likely than not there are specific methods that you need to pursue in order for this to trigger in my experience testing the playable teaser It does actually require specific inputs, but what do I know? Now the question is whether or not it's justifiable to have puzzles that are this obscure in a video game. I mean, really, the only way you could realistically solve these puzzles would be by way of blind luck. How would you figure out, with no knowledge or information given to you, that you need to walk exactly 10 paces in any direction? Furthermore, once that happens, you need to freeze until a second baby laughs, and then you need to engage in one of those three methods that we just described in order to trigger the final steps. I don't know about you, but for me, I have to ask the question, is Frustratedly and frantically trying to get past a puzzle that has no clues, instruction, or, or guide, actually good game design, or is it just needlessly convoluted? I'd say it's really bad game design, but amazingly enough, it's actually really good horror design. You see, when we talk about any Hideo Kojima game, we have to mention meta theming within the title. Kojima wanted to remove any and all comfort, and this included some of the staples of video game design. He wanted to remove the knowledge of who developed the game. He wanted to remove any sort of prior knowledge that comes up with hype, or trailers, or knowledge of the game prior to release. He wanted to get rid of heads-up display elements because those can be comforting if you know what your health is, if you know how much noise you're making, if you even have just a small map that can be a crutch that the player can lean on. And of course he wanted to remove any semblance of instruction when it comes to the progression within the playable teaser's story. It seems simple at first, just keep walking through an infinite hallway, but you'll eventually Run into circumstances when you have to start guessing in order to get through. Now removing a clear and guided experience from the player making it very convoluted and difficult and even mysterious as to how to progress is very good horror design, at least in my opinion. That makes it so there's constant uncertainty within the player's mind as to how they're going to progress if they are going to progress and where they are currently within the game's overall structure. It's one of the reasons I've said before that Hideo Kojima games are kind of different from video games. They step almost outside of the regular bounds of what we would expect to see within a game because he thinks very much outside the box. This leads to games that can be bad games, but very interesting experiences. Now, In this same vein, fans can always defend any of his games or any title for that matter, simply by saying it's just part of the theme of the game and if you don't like it, you just don't get it. This can be used for PT, it can be used for Death Stranding, or even a game such as The Last of Us Part Two. If you don't like all of the dark, gritty, narrative things that they did within that title to mess with the player or to subvert expectations. Fans can always just say, well, if you didn't like that that character died, you just don't get it, while other people might say, well, it's not a matter of that, it's just a matter of whether or not that was the right choice for communicating the story that the writers were trying to communicate. It really is the ultimate get out of jail free card for avoiding criticism or active discussion on a story. And it's for this reason that I tried to avoid justifying design decisions based on these meta themes. Like I said, I think PT is an incredible horror experience while as a game, it leaves a lot to be lacking. But that's not necessarily to say that there's anything wrong with it. I am a fervent believer that video games are the natural progression of narrative storytelling. First we all sat around campfires and told stories of hunting down mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. Then we moved on and we started writing those stories down. Eventually we took those stories that were written down and started performing them in front of each other in plays and big presentations in front of large groups of people. Then once people were able to read and write much more ubiquitously we took those stories put them into books and novels and distributed them to the masses beyond anything that anybody could have possibly ever imagined then in the late 19th and early 20th centuries we took those stories and converted them into film we told those stories in a way that was much more engaging beyond which anybody had ever seen before furthermore we could also distribute those films all throughout the world and as film became more and more common we started broadcasting things live and actively every single night in the form of television. And then in the late 90s and early 2000s we really started to push narrative storytelling within video games because a few very smart people realized that we could tell stories in an interactive way which would take the immersion level beyond that which anybody had ever seen before. And to be honest, just now we're starting to see the benefits of that work in the form of games such as The Last of Us Part 2, Death Stranding, Cyberpunk 2077 to a certain extent when it's Playable, that is, and many, many other games that tell stories in a way that was only imaginable before. What I'm trying to say is that I think video games are bigger than just gameplay loops that are meant to instill some sense of accomplishment within the player. Some games do that, and it's fantastic and phenomenal. I'm as big a fan of Warzone as the next guy but in other cases video games are able to tell stories and make us feel things in a way that no other medium could possibly do and it's for that reason that i think pt isn't just a game it's an experience and it's one that we were very lucky to have way back in the day but that's it for me thank you for watching i love you all follow me on all my social media and i'll see you in the next video